Before I got my contract, I went to a good number of interviews. Today's topic reminds me of one of those interviews. I walked into a school, was handed a piece of paper with the interview questions on it, and was asked to wait. One of the questions on the paper read something like, What is the most important factor in teaching? I thought I came up with a great response. It's the feedback loop. During the interview, I drew out this metaphor around a bicycle wheel and how it appears stationary when viewed in isolation. In order to see progress being made, I said, you need to expand your view. Feedback is the same. There's the assessment for, as, and of learning, and they all circle back on each other. If you don't see the bigger picture, how do you know what feedback to give? How do you know what's going to push your students forward? I didn't get the job. The answer the interviewer was looking for was relationships. Hey folks, this is Ali, and welcome to today's episode of Teaching and Learning, One Teacher's Audio Diary. In this podcast, I share some of my perspectives and ideas on education. This week's topic comes from a suggestion my dad made. He sent me a text message that reads, Just a suggestion before school starts, do a segment on students being home with parents for five months, how much it has affected their relationship with parents, like has it brought them closer, and has there been more open communication and friendship buildup? between them and is this going to continue going forwards he didn't punctuate developing positive relationships with students is necessary for good teaching to happen this year our approach will have to be different because not only are the learning environments going to look different but students have have been away from school for a long time in that time they spent a lot of time with their families our relationships with our students are the most powerful teaching tool that we have available to us Like any tool, its effectiveness is a result of how well we know how to use and maintain it. Beyond establishing a relationship with students, there must be continual investment in students. The trouble with these relationships is that they are long-term. You can't expect quick returns outside of being able to work well with them for the school year. The benefits of having a positive relationship with your students is that you get access to the, the most authentic version of them that they are willing to share with you. This year, things are going to look a lot different and we need to be prepared to redevelop our relationships with our students and perhaps our relationships with our teacher selves. Students have been at home for six months and so have teachers. In that time we've developed routines to help us manage our time. Those routines are now going to be uprooted, same as our old routines were in March. Not only have our routines changed but so too have our relationships with people in our homes. These relationships are unique to each pair of individuals, complete with all of the nuances that are perceptible to them alone. When the new school year begins, as with every year, we'll be tasked with developing new relationships with our students. Even if we know our students from previous years, the students themselves will have changed, and this change might be more marked than it ever was before. While we are establishing these relationships with our students, the relationships that they have with people at home are going to change too. There is going to be a lot of disruption. Despite this, we must first establish good relationships with our students. There is no book or top 10 list that can help you develop good, healthy relationships with your students. Relationships are based on emotion, not reason. We enter into lasting relationships because we feel like it, not because we think about doing it. We stay in relationships because we feel like we are gaining something from being in them. Your mindset and intentions will influence how your relationships develop. Things are different with students. We are assigned a class and students are assigned a teacher. We each have a job to do and require one another in order to get that job done. This isn't like working in an office, however. In a classroom, people are not hired to perform a task, but are tasked with exploring their capabilities and interests in an effort to prepare them to perform a task well when the time comes. In this respect, classrooms are more authentic than offices. 
As a teacher, the best asset you have when establishing and developing relationships with your students is you. Your personality, your predictability, your transparency. These are just a few of the strengths that you have at your disposal. This year, we won't have the ability to use facial expressions to help us express ourselves. To overcome this, we will need to develop a lexicon. We will need to choose our words carefully and say those words with conviction in order to unmask our intentions. We have lost the power of our smiles. Our words have suddenly become more meaningful. The goal of developing relationships between you and your students is ultimately to foster a community. Within this community, not only do students have a healthy relationship with you, but they also have one with one another and with themselves. It's easy to see all of the challenges in doing this, especially this year. Students have had limited contact with their friends. We are all going to need to keep our distance from one another as best as possible. Keeping our distance will constantly be reinforced. We will be spending a lot of time with each other in our cohorts. What's going to happen to the fabric of this community if someone gets sick? Despite this, we need our communities more than ever before. We need to establish a sense of shared responsibility for each other's well-being. Our support systems need to be as deeply rooted as possible in order for us to be able to stand at our tallest. In a normal year, we'd have some idea of what students went through in the spring before the summer break. We'd have seen them in the hallways, heard of them from their teachers, or worked with them in a club or sports team. Academically, we'd have a better idea of the trajectory their education took before arriving in a classroom with us. Such isn't the case this time around. Every person's experience over the last six months will have been different, even though the conditions that created the situations we faced were the same. To name a few, COVID-19, the Black Lives Matter movement, changing economic conditions, and isolation. The influential forces in our lives were changed. The student-teacher, student-parent, student-student, student-sibling, and student-self relationships were forced to adjust to uncertainty. In many ways, we'll be meeting new students, and those students will be meeting new teachers. When thinking about what our class community will look like, we can't underestimate the influence of students' home life. Positive or negative, home has a greater influence on a student than we can in the classroom. Children observe their parents with a certain reverence, and their truth is shaped by these observations. School is part of the outside world, so it's easier to compartmentalize. Our lack of permanence in a student's life means there are clear limits on the influence we can have. Uprooting students from their homes and placing them in schools into classrooms that look entirely different to what they remember is going to be incredibly jarring, no matter how well we mitigate the effects of this upcoming transition. We also need to consider how their relationships at home are going to change when they start going to school again. Will their parents be working from home? Did parents have to send them to school so that they could go to work? Who do they live with at home? Here, I can't help but picture Charlie Bucket running home to his four grandparents all sleeping on the same bed and announcing that there's a golden ticket hidden in a chocolate bar. Our golden ticket, the one that will grant us access to Willy Wonka's factory, is going to be our ability to acknowledge and appreciate each student's presence. They need to have a voice in their community. They need to have agency in their community. Students cannot be passive members, passively absorbing whatever knowledge trickles past them. They need to be active members, contributing wherever possible. When they do, we need to substantiate their experiences, make them feel heard by actually listening to them, and continue cultivating a culture that is brave. There is a scene in Yes, Prime Minister, a British sitcom from the 80s, in which Prime Minister James Hacker says, I am their leader. I must follow them. Never has this been more true in the realm of education. If we hope to lead by trudging a path for students, we will find ourselves walking alone, having putting in unnecessary effort. 
If, however, we choose to lead by inspiring students to carve their own paths, we will find that we will have walked further together. This can't happen, however, without first establishing positive relationships with our students within the larger context of a supportive and affirming community. This week's recommendation is the Time Magazine Special Edition, The Science of Learning, which is available until November 20th, 2020. The question of the week is, what are you doing in your practice that is distracting you from achieving your goals as a teacher? Thank you so much for listening, folks. If you'd like to have future episodes appear automatically in your feed, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, where you can also leave a review. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at MrGTutors or on the website at www.MrGTutors.com. Remember, the best way to do your job is to do it honestly. Talk to you soon, folks.